0: Welcome, you're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts.
1: Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 21st, 2024. It has been 3,677 days since Russia started covert military operation in Crimea, 10 years and one day since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war, and one year and 362 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Tuesday and Wednesday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, Open source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. Ukraine's acute shortage of ammunition and air defense missiles continues to impact the battlefield and contributed to Ukraine's withdrawal from Avdivka. 2. The main Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the United Kingdom aligned with our assessment that in the near term it is unlikely that Russia can convert its operational success in Avdivka into further gains. Due to the need to establish military control of captured territory, Extend and secure new ground lines of communication and the unfavorable terrain west of the settlement. 3. It is unlikely that Russia will achieve its main operational goal of capturing the remaining areas of the Luhansk and Donetsk oblasts and the areas east of the Oskil River in northern Kharkiv oblast by March 13. 4. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 5. The lack of media attention and the ending of U.S. military aid has encouraged the Kremlin to be more transparent with committing grave breaches of the General Convention, due to the lack of a meaningful response from international organizations. 6. Russian forces continue their offensive to capture Yar, west of Bakhmut. 7. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 8. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin today's war report in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, or A.O. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported mutual fighting west of Sinkivka with no change in the situation. Ukrainian drones targeted Russian infantry fighting vehicles and troops south of Leman Pershy. Russian mercenary millblogger Ogonzo claimed Russian troops tried to advance on Tabaevka and were unsuccessful. In Petropavlevka, a Russian one-way drone struck a civilian car with three farmers who were returning from checking on their fields. Two men were killed, and the wife of the passenger was taken to the hospital with moderate injuries. In the Kriminaio of Luhansk Oblast, Russian attempts to advance on Terny and Yampolivka were repulsed. In the Lysychanskyo, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported fighting continued in the area of Bulohoryvka. Next, let's talk about the Donbas, starting in northeastern Donetsk Oblast. In the Sivorskyo, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Vyimka from the southeast without success. Further south, in the Bakhmut area, Russian sources reported attempts to advance on and past Bogdanivka continued, while Russian and Ukrainian sources reported fighting was ongoing east of Ivanivska. Continuing south to the Kleschiivka area, fighting continued northwest north and east of Kleschiivka and east of Andreevka. A Ukrainian one-way drone and a Stugna anti-tank guided missile, or ATGM, hit a Russian tank east of Kurdyumivka. The video suggests that Ukrainian forces fired from or on the edge of Zelenopilya, hinting there has been an advance southeast of Andreevka. Kramatorsk was hit by two KH-22 anti-ship cruise missiles fired by a pair of Russian 222M3 bombers. An industrial area and an apartment building were hit, wounding six with one person missing. Nine more apartment buildings were damaged, along with the city's water purification system. Here's the situation in southwestern Donetsk, starting in the Avdivka Ayo. A lot happened in the last 24 hours. Russian forces restarted attempts to advance on Stepover, with no change to the situation. That is to say, Russian forces continue to get destroyed along the railroad grade. An article in the New York Times citing unnamed senior Western officials and two Ukrainian soldiers claimed that Russia captured between 850 and 1,000 Ukrainian soldiers during the retreat from Avdiivka. The spokesperson for the Tavria Strategic Operational Group, Dmytro Lykhovyi, denied the claim, calling the story, quote, misinformation, but acknowledged that a, quote, certain number of soldiers were missing. Moving to assessment, if Russia captured a full battalion of Ukrainian troops, we would be seeing pictures and videos everywhere. The number claimed in the New York Times is 33 to 50% of the number of Ukrainian troops who surrendered in Mariupol, and it would be the second-largest surrender of either combatant since May 2022. In our assessment, the number of missing Ukrainian troops is in the dozens. While claims from soldiers at the platoon or company level can provide some intelligence, no one below the brigade level will have a clear picture. Ukrainian and Russian sources reported that Russian troops were conducting reconnaissance in force east of Lосточkina. A Russian advance with six IFVs and one tank ended catastrophically, with the loss of all six IFVs and most of the dismounts. Overnight, two Russian soldiers were able to enter Lasterchkine and were eliminated. On the T-505 highway, now the Russian ground line of communication, g that's a supply line, from Spartak, Ukrainian one-way drones were interdicting Russian logistics. We'll link to a video in our situation report, and there is more information in the podcast description. Southwest of occupied Avdivka, fighting continued in the no-man's land between Severne and Водяне, near Pervomaiske, and east of Nevelske. In occupied Donetsk, Russian occupation officials claimed Ukraine attacked the city. Videos and pictures that we linked to showed a large crater next to the library in the city center. The munition landed on the east side of the library on Artema Street with a splash pattern indicating it came from the northeast or east. Due to its proximity to the building and the angle of the crater, the rocket could not have come from free Ukraine. It is impossible. Yes, Russia fired on the people they have claimed for 10 years to be liberating. In the Marienkoeo, Russian forces continued their attacks on the eastern edge of Georgievka and the southern edge of Mariinka toward Pobeda. There was no significant change in the situation, and Russian blogger claims that Pobeda was captured are false. In the region, the situation remains difficult, with Russian forces repeatedly advancing from the east, reaching the edge of Novomikhailovka and being pushed back. This is going to be a rare defense of the Russian Ministry of Defense or Armod. Yesterday, Armand reported fighting in the area of Shevchenka, but specifically stated in the Zaporizhia Oblast, which is near Huleipole, if you use the old Soviet era village names. We don't think the Kremlin was trying to deceive anyone, and almost every analyst and mill blogger has been tripped up by Ukrainian geography, including us. There are many Shevchenkas in Ukraine. The fighting was just north of the Shevchenka in Donetsk Oblast. A graphic video from the Ukrainian 58th Motorized Brigade shows that Russian forces suffered catastrophic losses and were forced to withdraw. Yes, we'll link to that video too, but that's not the one to watch. In the Starom area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reported Russian attacks from Novodonetsk and Novomayorské. Okay, if you're going to watch one video from today's podcast, this is the one to watch. In occupied Starumlinevka, Russian armored vehicles were hidden in three large bonds. A two-minute video showed multiple Ukrainian one-way drones flying through the open doors of the buildings, destroying main battle tanks, infantry fighting vehicles, an S-60 anti-aircraft gun, and a rare BRAM-1 armored recovery vehicle. This is the stuff of science fiction. In occupied Trudivske, new members of the Russian 39th Guards Motor Rifle Brigade waited outside for a speech from Major General Oleg Moiseyev, reported as both the first deputy commander or the commander of the 29th Combined Arms Army. The formation was hit by three rockets fired by HIMARS, with Russian sources reporting 65 soldiers killed. The Russian reports appear accurate, with graphic videos and pictures showing dozens of dead soldiers. Moving to assessment. This is the second incident where Russian troops were forced to wait information for a general to give a speech, which resulted in an attack. It is highly unusual for the videos and pictures to be readily shared by Russian sources in the public domain. In our assessment, the information was released as a protest of incompetent commanders. Near-occupied Mariupol, the Crimean Tatar insurgent organization Ateş reported that convoys carrying hundreds of burned-out pieces of Russian military equipment were being hauled in the direction of Crimea. Fighting continued in Zaporizhia oblast, and there are no indications Russia is setting conditions for a larger offensive. In the Rikivyo, Russian forces attacked east of Malatokmachka and south and west of Robotna. Russian forces have been attacking with BMP one IFVs and T-55 and T-62 medium duty tanks. Like the T-62 which first appeared in the summer of 2022, Armored vowed that T-55 would only be used for indirect fire. The use of nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies equipment. Indicates that reserve forces are limited or Russian troops in the Dnipro group have limited access to more modern armor. On February 18th, Russian soldiers executed at least three Ukrainian prisoners of war, the third incident in a week. There is more information in the War Crimes and Human Rights section. The Kremlin made wild claims about the situation in the Kherson region. Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu claimed that Krinke had been recaptured in a staged meeting with President Vladimir Putin. Operational Command cells denied the claim, saying that Russia had resorted to quote "...manipulation and falsification of facts." After the claims, Russian propagandist Romanov Light said quote, all the fuss about the supposed liberation of the settlement was organized for the purpose of obtaining the rank of general by an individual, adding that Shoygu, quote, lies to the president's face, unquote. You know, I'm not going to miss Romanov light when the political officers come for him. Russia released a video of two soldiers entering the settlement very close to where they already have control, raising two flags and running for their lives. The flag has already been taken down, and Russia released a video of a single Ukrainian Marine holding off an entire squad in approximately the same area. Based on the new intelligence, we expanded the Gray Area, but Ukrainian troops have not been pushed out of Krynke.
0: You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.
1: Here is my theater-wide update. The Security Service of Ukraine notified Ukrainian national and Russian propagandist Dmytro Kornichuk that he is under investigation for, quote, justification of armed aggression of the Russian Federation against Ukraine, and glorification of its participants. In 2022, we exerted a lot of energy debunking Kornichuk's claims, and he has appeared on Russian channels 112 Ukraine, Nash, and News One. If convicted, he faces the loss of property and assets, and up to 8 years in prison. Ukrainian officials reported that Kyiv was close to completing security agreements with the Netherlands and Denmark. These would follow the same outline as agreements established with France, Germany and the United Kingdom. As expected, Sweden announced a $683 million military aid package, its largest for Ukraine. Details about the 15th package is in our Situation Report. You can become a patron for just $5 a month, and there is more information in the podcast description. Bulgaria is delaying the shipment of 100 Cold War-era Soviet BTR-60 armored personnel carriers. A Bulgarian official said, quote, we cannot transport 100 armored personnel carriers from Sofia to Rusa without funding from NATO. What's going on in the world of Mobik's mobilization and MIR? Rage about the Russian losses at Avdiivka continues to grow. Russian Masonaremel blogger and former private military company Wagner Group fighter Setins tore into Minister of Defense Shoigu after the head of the Russian military gave an interview. Quote Shaigu talks about the capture of Avdivka and the defeat of the counter-offensive of the Ukrainian armed forces against the background of Suvorov, Kutuzov and Zhukov. this doesn't amuse me anymore. They took the spore Avdivka for almost 10 years, eight years of positioning and two years of bloody assaults. They killed the people. What the fuck? Vovka from my team still lies unknown where, for almost a year, on the Avdivka fortifications. Putin's purge claimed another high-profile critic of the Kremlin. On February 20th, I told you about Russian milblogger Andrei Morozov, better known as Murs. He had a meltdown on his Telegram channel about the Russian losses at Avdivka. After some of his readers threatened to file denunciations against him, he blasted the Kremlin and Russian military commanders, daring his readers to have him arrested. On the same day, Moors reported he was threatened with arrest and made a drastic decision. Quote, Today I talked to a man who, knowing me a little, started right away with this. You won't change things, the elections will be held and no changes will begin. Today, comrade colonel, on your order, I was forced to delete the post from my Telegram channel. And your command forced you to give this order, relying on good old army collective responsibility. Your command was forced to do this by political prostitutes led by Vladimir Solovyov, who are pissing themselves to come and pull the trigger. Well, I'll do it myself. I will shoot myself if no one dares to take on this trifling matter. It turned out that I cannot serve under your command, under the command of a man who took over a decapitated brigade in a critical situation in a critical area and removed the situation. I cannot serve under you and at the same time tell the truth. If I can't change anything, then you will have to win the war yourself. Moors proceeded to write a quasi manifesto and a last will. Multiple Russian mill bloggers and current and former unit members are reporting that Moors carried through with his threat and killed himself. Mental illness and suicide are sensitive topics, and their discussion can trigger strong feelings. If you are having suicidal thoughts or you are despondent, there is help available. United States 988. Or eight zero zero two seven three eight two five five. You can text seven four one seven four one. Veterans can text eight three eight two five five. Canada eight three three four five six four five six six or text four five six four five. United Kingdom zero eight zero zero six eight nine five six five two or 999. Australia. 131114, or 000, or text 477 14. New Zealand. 508 or 111. Assessment. Morozov was a turbo patriot and nationalist with extremist views. He was also a radio communications expert who helped resolve many issues on the front lines in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. But Moors was one other thing, one of the last semi lucid Russian mill bloggers who visited frontline units and did not regurgitate Kremlin propaganda. This is why Morozov was on a collision course with Moscow. So considering what Romanov Light and XI wrote yesterday, Which one do you think gets visited by the political officers next? In our war crimes and human rights section, we sometimes discuss atrocities, gender-based violence, torture, cruelty to animals and human suffering. Today's report does not present graphic content. As I mentioned earlier, on February 18th, a drone video recorded three Ukrainian soldiers being executed by Russian troops after surrendering south of Robotene. Ukrainian soldier Viktor Burlek told Espresso TV that Russian troops were executing POWs in the hopes of catching Ukrainians treating Russian POWs the same. Quote, because the number of people willing to surrender among the Russians is increasing, The Russians want us to treat their prisoners in the same way as they do. Speaking at the US Helsinki Commission on Holding Russia to Accountability for War Crimes Against Ukraine, lessons from Nuremberg Forum in Nuremberg, Germany, President Zelensky said, There is no crime against humanity and life that has not been committed by Putin's Russia and those who work for its insane dictator. The world saw Ukrainian cities and villages burned by the Russian army. Everyone in the world has at least heard of the mass murders that inevitably follow the Russian tricolour across the occupied territory. It is impossible to come to terms with the pain of families that were separated by Putin's war and the deportation of Ukrainian children. We should also not forget about the millions of Ukrainians who survived under the Russian occupation. Deprived of even basic human rights. Let there be no obstacles on the way of justice. Just like Nazism, Putin's state must be condemned. I call upon all who are in a position to hasten the coming of real peace. We don't end the podcast with war crimes. However, our team couldn't find a feel-good story, so this bit of economic news was the best we could find. The European Commissioner for Energy, Kadri Simpson, said that the EU is no longer interested in extending the natural gas transit contract with Russia. A return to the usual relations with Russia is impossible. We have been preparing for the end of this contract for two years since the manipulation of the gas market began. And we have alternative options to ensure the security of supply. While Russia was able to prop up its economy with oil sales in 2023, the natural gas market plummeted due to a warmer-than-expected winter, conservation and establishment of alternative sources of natural gas faster than expected. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the
0: Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.